week, I was, we were just talking, we had some people over to the house and we were just chatting uh, about uh, a, a man whom we commonly know uh, who had recently uh, went, into some, uh, went into a relationship that he wasn't supposed to be involved in uh, and he began to lie to this lady, he began to share some untrue stories with this woman and uh, this woman was a Muslim woman. This guy was a preacher. And um, to everyone's surprise and shock, when the account of the story appeared in the media, uh, people were shocked at a man who had just returned a book. A man who runs a church of, I think, in the thousands would actually be committing what he did. And the thing that troubled me the most was he was in this relationship for about six months. And in all those times, he lied to this woman about who he was and he was still standing and preaching the gospel. And not only that, but he wrote a book recently and that has gone in the market. And, and I begin to think, this woman begins to write the account of what is happening. And to my amazement, the character that this man carried, leave the sin aside, but the character that he had, the deception, the lies, and the pretension, and the hypocrisy, Hypocrisy that he conducted himself with, to say the least, was completely appalling. And I would tell you this evening, beloved, that not only can we say that this is true for an individual that we're talking about, but as we look around us, we're seeing that there are many Christians today Name and profess the name of Jesus, but do not live anything like Jesus. And so you and I know we are in a topic and in a series now. The title of the series is The Nine, and we're talking about the hallmarks of a transformed life. Why am I preaching this? Because I want us to know with certainty, as believers as we examine our lives and as we self-examine who we are, by the messages that I'm preaching and through the Word of God, that we must know for sure that Jesus lives in our hearts. And this is why I'm preaching this, because as I thought about it a while ago, I realized that character plays such a significant part in a Christian's life. I want to say this, I've started my sermons over the past several weeks with this statement and I will start it again with this. The Christian life isn't only about forgiveness of sin, but it also involves a changing of character. So what I preached on this morning in line with this, is the reality that our lives are being changed from glory to glory. 
We're not perfect. The moment we said the prayer, we still have our flaws. We still have our weaknesses. We still have issues in our lives. And the truth, beloved, is salvation is only the beginning, but there's a process in, in salvation known as sanctification. And in sanctification, through the trials of life, through the hardships of life, through the seasons of life, through the disappointments and the pain of life, we go through, beloved, these things will shape and make us a better Christian. And this is what the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians 5.22. I'm not going to belabor you with the first point, but for the sake of helping everyone understand, when I start the series every week, I want to start off uh, with the same subject, uh, a matter and then go into the main point of the sermon. In Galatians 5.22, uh, Scripture begins to give us insight. These are nine characteristics that the human being must possess as a Christian. We must strive to have this in us. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit Two things you take away from that. Number one, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. That means the flesh no longer dominates our life. When you come to Christ, the spirit must be strong. We must be feeding the spirit man. And in order for these gifts or in order for these virtues to resonate and birth in us, it must come through us crucifying the flesh and embracing the Spirit of God. And how do we feel? How do we feed the Spirit? Through prayer. We feed the Spirit by praying. The Spirit is, is, is fed through the reading of God's Word. You, anything that you do that is spiritual is, is feeding your spirit, man. And when your spirit man gets stronger, it's easier to become Christ-like. It's easier to have love in your heart. It's easier to be patient with people. It's easier to come to a place of kindness. It's easier to exercise peace and faithfulness. And today, what we want to talk about is the subject of goodness. What is goodness? See, a person's character is as vital as his relationship with God. Please, beloved, I urge and encourage you, don't just be satisfied that you receive Jesus into your life and your salvation hinges on that. Beloved, I can assure you, the only way to know that we are saved is by using this checklist to know if truly Christ lives in us. Do I have love in my heart? Is there long-suffering? Am I patient with people? And so on and so forth. 
But I declare to you, they're both equally important. Your character is as important as your relationship with God. D.L. Moody said this, and I'll read it again. Joy is, ex- is love exalted. Uh, peace is love in repose. Long-suffering is love enduring. Remember, we talked about patience. Gentleness is love in society. Goodness is what, what we're going to talk about today. Goodness is love in action. Faith is love on the battlefield. Meekness is love in school. And temperance, temperance is love in training. And I think that profoundly uh, concise and very concisely describes what Paul is writing in this passage. And he's describing to us that none of these characteristics can be possible without love being present. Love undergirds all of this. When you get love, you can be patient. When you have love, you can have joy. When you have love, you can be kind. When you have love, you can respond with peace. And so let's talk this evening about goodness. What does it mean? What does it mean for me to have goodness in me? What does it mean? See, we've heard the term often quoted and it's oftentimes opened, opened up by someone and someone else ends the statement, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And the truth be told, the very nature of God is goodness. God is good. There is no one that can come close to Him. And as we begin to consider that, I was reading this excerpt and I want to share it with you. This excerpt says the supreme test of goodness is not in the greater, but in the smaller incidents of our character and practice. Not what we are when we are standing in the searchlight of public scrutiny, but when we reach the firelight flicker of our homes. Not what we are when some clarion call rings through the air, summoning us to fight for life and liberty, but rather our attitude when we are called to sentry duty in the grey morning when the watch fire is burning low. It is impossible to be our best at the supreme moment if character is corroded and eaten into by daily inconsistency unfaithfulness and besetting sin. So what are we talking about here? Goodness, as, I, as I'm preaching tonight, is something that happens on the inside. And what must be established here is goodness is somewhat and a virtue that exists on the inside and oftentimes it may not be felt or seen by others. Now I'll explain to you in a while what I mean by that. Oftentimes, what do we strive for? We like good stuff. We like a good cup of coffee. We like good me goring. You know, we like uh, uh, good children. We like good jobs. We like good neighborhoods. Uh, we like good food. Uh, uh, we like, you know, we, want to, we don't want to just have uh, me goring or we don't want to just have coffee. We don't just want to have, uh, 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 you know, whatever you eat. We want the good one. Right? We strive for the good one. 
We like the good one. And we are always searching deep down inside our heart. We always want to look for what is good. And as I establish my point, the only one, beloved, the only one who truly is entitled to be recognized as good is God. Our culture has devalued the word good to the extent that we use good for many things that are not good. And the word has been abused. I want to talk to you right here. Three verses of scripture. Psalms 23 verses 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalms 145 verses 9. The Lord is good to all. And His tender mercies are over all His work. First Chronicles 16, 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. For His mercy endures forever. So here we are. Because goodness has been devalued, when we read that word, God is good, we somehow don't really understand the full context of what it means that God is good. What is God's goodness really about? Years ago, you know, um, coming from the IT field, uh, we always looked for Intel computers. Whenever an AMD chip was, was there, you know, AMD is a different processor, and then you had the Intel, and when you saw an AMD, one of the main complaints in the past was an AMD chip always gets heated up very fast. And so when you're doing some kind of work, it gets hot really fast, and so one of the the terms that became so famous, people printed t-shirts on it, people began to print stickers, and, and in 1991, Intel came up with a, mo a tagline, and it was called Intel Insight. And so when you look at laptops today, or you look at computers today, uh, probably there's a sticker there if it's an Intel, and it'll say Intel Insight. And what it simply meant is, this is what is on the inside. And I think goodness should be on the inside of all of us. That means when people look at Christians, there must be goodness on the inside. God is the original definition of good. God is good in and of Himself. For you and I, goodness is an added quality. But goodness for God comes naturally. God is not just the greatest of beings. God is the best. And when God really resides in us, intel inside, when God is in us, goodness is on the inside. That must flow from our words and our actions. That must flow from our way of thinking. And this is necessary because when we read the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. What does God think about us? He thinks of good. He thinks good of us. And this is what I want to talk to you about. Because what does it mean? We know that God is good. 
We know that God thinks good of us. We know that God only gives us the best. We know that God is the definition of good. So what does it mean for a Christian to be good? Because God in and of Himself, as I said, is nothing but good. And we can affirm this. How do we know that God is good? Read the Bible. Look at what God thinks of you. This is His love letter to you and I. But the Greek word used in Galatians 5, bear with me as I describe this to you. The Greek word used in this passage, the word goodness, is the word agathosin, which is described as uprightness or or heart of heart and life. Uprightness of heart and life. So what does it mean for me to have goodness? It simply means for me to walk in uprightness of heart and in my life. To walk righteously. That means if I am a Christian, I must be walking uprightly. That's what goodness means. So if God is indeed good, He is the virtue of goodness, then when God resides in me, I should have nothing but the drive to walk uprightly. So where has that gone? Why are Christians dabbling with sin today? Why are Christians negotiating playing with ungodliness when the Bible says goodness is uprightness of heart. Psalms 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his ways. The steps of a good man, the good, remember the word good, goodness, are ordered of the Lord. He is a righteous man. And this is important for us to grasp. That means what is the Bible speaking of? We must have the spirit of love. I spoke on that. Joy, I spoke on that. Uh, Peace, I spoke. Long-suffering and patience, I spoke. Kindness, I spoke. Goodness. Now, what does it mean? That means when I live this Christian life, I must set a testimony that I represent Jesus uprightly. When they see you as a Christian, they must see you as righteous, as upright, not promoting sin and ungodliness and and, and, and whether it can be lying, cheating, lusting or whatever. No, but rather, why would you not commit that sin? Because I'm a Christian. Goodness. That goodness is in me. When people see, that's an upright man. That's an upright woman right there. They're careful with what they speak. It's very interesting because as believers, we must develop the virtue of goodness. And when we refer to this, it is the removal then When we talk about being good, 
When we talk about the virtue of goodness, I'm going a little deeper tonight. It means that it removes the very uh, 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 essence of pretension and insincerity. Have you seen Christians who on the front, they'll tell you they will do something or they talk so pleasantly to you, but they stab you on the back? Have you met pretentious Christians that smile and giggle and laugh and they would you'd think, of, wow, they are the best thing since sliced bread, but they're pretending and they're not right. Goodness is sincerity. If you say something, you do it with sincerity. That's one of the things my wife and I had to really battle with as we pastor. Because I want to go on record and tell you, when I got saved at the age of 13, and when I took the church at 21, I, I, being a young man, I've not experienced a whole lot of things in life at that point. One of the things we did was we trusted everybody at face value. We never doubted anyone. We never had ulterior motive with someone who, you know, oh, you know, so we can get something from them. We were just pure and, and often we were disappointed because someone will turn around and show us something about them that we never expected. They're like, wow, that's, that's who they are? Wow, we didn't expect that. And I think the reason is because somewhere, we only always mean well for people. We may sound at times, you may hear me preach and I may be harsh and my, you know, and my preaching and I may be, but with all honesty, it comes from a heart that truly is sincere because I want God to help you. And the truth be told, beloved, as I begin to think about this, the opposite of goodness is being a person who says something outwardly but thinks differently at heart. Have you, have you encountered that? Where we say, oh yeah, 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 I will do this or I will, uh, I will you know, uh, uh, get involved with this and so on and so forth. But in their heart, they don't want to do it. You know the parable that Jesus began to present? He said there were two young men. One said he was going to do it, but didn't do it. The other one said he was not going to do it, but he ended up doing it. And the profound truth in that is simply this. One wanted to look good on the outside, but on the inside, his heart wasn't where his mouth was. And when you and I have understood what goodness really is, it demands for us to be sincere and have integrity. That's what goodness is. The word sincere comes from the Latin word, a combination of the word sign, which is without, Sarah or Sira, C-E-R-A, the word wax. So when you put them together, the word sincere means without wax. Right? And in the ancient world, dishonest merchant would wax the potteries to hide the defects, such as the cracks, 
So when you go into the market, you want to buy a, a pot, you would look at it and you would think, ah, oh, it looks so beautiful. Actually, there's a crack behind that vex. And you don't know that it's there. And, that, and more reputable merchants would actually hang a sign over their pottery saying, Sincera, which means without wax, to simply indicate to their customers that this is what it is. It's genuine. Isn't it sad that sometimes Christians need to be second thought about? That we have Christians that say some things today and then you have to wonder if they really mean it with their heart. Oh, you know, just, just, we will help you and we will do this for you and we will do that. We love you. All pretension, lies. Just drama. Because you want to look good. You want to look good. That's not being good. That's not goodness. Goodness is when you say you love someone, you really mean it from your heart. Goodness is when you say you really care for someone, you really mean it from your heart. Goodness is your heart is where your mouth is. That's goodness. No pretension. It is what it is. And how sad that today there are Christians who are so good at drama, but they are not really sincere who they are. Oh, we love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they go at the back of you and they stab you on the back. They gossip about you. They backbite about you. That's not goodness. Good people are who they are here and at home. Consistent. That's goodness. That's why, why, why do you come to that conclusion, Pastor? Because when you look at God, God is a, is, a, is a person of integrity. God, why do we call Him good? Because He doesn't lie. God, why do we call Him good? Because He says who He is. And if He says, I think well of you, you don't have to second think that. You know you can trust Him. So let's talk then about being good. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. I want to I wanna home on this and then close off. I'm already at 27 minutes. Don't worry, we'll get you out by an hour and a half, I promise. Luke 10, 30 to 37. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem uh, to Jericho, fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on by the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, said, take care of him, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him, then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So we know the Bible tells us that the scripture here calls this man, not just a Samaritan, but calls him the good Samaritan. And why is this so important for us to identify? Because why would God call someone good? He saw a man who was knocked off his animal, lying among, on, the, on the street amongst the thieves, and here's this Samaritan, an outcast. People despise him. People want nothing to do with him. In fact, if anything were true, they were foreigners, and people wanted to stay away from them. And the Bible says he saw this man on the ground. He picked this man up. He was moved with compassion. He bandaged this man he, with a bandage his wounds. He poured out oil and wine to, to medicate his wounds. He went on and he took this man, laid him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. And when he brought him to an inn, he told the innkeeper, when you are done with him, if there's anything else that needs to be paid, when I come, I'll pay. This beloved is a picture of a man who is sincere to help someone who's down and out. He just didn't talk. He didn't just say words. But I believe this is what God is helping us see right here. There was genuineness with no ulterior motive. He didn't help this man expecting something in return. He helped him because he was a good man. And that's the profound context of what we're talking about here. Am I good? Do I have that goodness in me where I'm willing to do something, where I'm willing to speak words? I had to deal with this in my own heart. That's why I'm careful with the words that I speak. Trust me, beloved, when we say we care for you, I don't know. Ulterior motive, cheating, pretension, I don't. We sincerely love you. I've learned in all my years of ministry that hypocrisy is the highest of you slapping God on the face. When you put on a pretentious outward appearance, when you truly don't care or you don't want to uh, uh, go the extra mile for a man who's on the street, but it's all done insincerely. How many of us have done something? We went out of the way only to after doing what we've done, complain and murmur about what we did. And then we go on. Hey, you, why, why you cannot do it yourself? Uh? Uh, why? Why you have to call me? Or why do you have to ask me to do it? Or why, why do you have to get so-and-so uh, 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 to, to run? Or, or you know, why, why, why couldn't you have just done it? And then we, yeah, 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 can, 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 can. And we do it, right? And guess what? After we do it, we complain. That's not being sincere. If you're not going to do it, don't do it. If you're not going to get involved, don't get involved. Because to be good is to be consistent. 
is to be who you are. And in this church, we believe, we trust that everyone is invited. We will love everybody that comes to this church because we want everyone to be real and who they are. This is important. This is vital. Without ulterior motive, there is a genuineness, there is a consistency, and in that we express the goodness that the Holy Spirit instill upon our hearts. In Proverbs 22 verses 1, the Bible says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favour rather than silver and gold. So when you reflect to the goodness of God, we reflect to a God of principle. We reflect to a God who has integrity. We reflect to a God who is honest. We reflect to a God who is sincere. We reflect to a God who is compassionate. These are the virtues that make Him good and make Him who He is. Do we have that in us? Are we sincere? Are we sincere? When we say we love someone, do we really love them? When we say we care, do we really care? Or are we just placing wax so we look good? You see, your, when your mouth doesn't bear witness on what's in your heart, you can never say, I'm good. The Bible says in, my, in Micah, let me ask you this question as we bring this to a close. Uh, uh, do people view us as good? What do people say about us? Those around us? Do they speak good of us? When they look at our lives, they look at the words we speak, do they actually speak good of us? I want my children to know that I'm a good father. I don't want them to say, he's someone in church and someone else at home. I want my children to know that I'm consistent with who I am. Look, I only have 18 years with them and maybe max 20, 21. And as they become adults, my influence over them diminishes. But I want to be a good father. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good husband. I want to be good in who I am. That means when you look at my life, you don't have to second guess if pastor is pretending or he's honest. I want to always be honest with you. And the same is true when I confront or when I say something, it is out of goodness. See, sincerity and integrity listen carefully to me, are rare virtues in our generation. Social media and, 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 and much of the world today have begun, has, have begun to rise in pretending to be someone else, right? There's no sincerity. There's no real integrity. And this is what people don't look for anymore. They look for entertainment. They look for someone who can make them laugh. They don't look for sincerity and integrity anymore. Are you a sincere person? Do you have integrity? When you say something, do you keep your word? 
Because that's what goodness is. Micah 6 verses 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? Look, look at this. To do justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. We have to synchronize our action with our heart. When goodness is present, as I've been saying, and I will close with this, you will find sincerity, integrity, and honesty present as well. A good person is a person of principle. Years ago, I remember there's a man coming to this church. He visited our home. This was many years ago, and he looked at my house, and he said, oh, he started coming and bad-mouthing about me in church. Uh, talking to some of the people in church, he said, oh, pastor has carpet in his room. I think probably Brother Victor would remember. <laughs> pastor has got carpet in his room. He paid a lot of money for the carpet. Actually, I got it for free. <laughs> he is blowing the wrong trumpet. But the point I make to you is there are people who are not sincere. They never will talk to you. They'll never be honest with who they are. But the purpose, the reason I share that with you is because somewhere in the heart, there was an absence of goodness. In his heart, there was an absence of goodness. There was nothing in him. Beloved, all he wanted to do was to present himself and embrace himself and put someone else down. And I declare to you, beloved, Integrity, honesty, sincerity are rare today. A lot of people say they love you. They don't. They just tell you because it sounds good. Go to them with a problem and see what they'll do. Just watch. They talk cheap. Oh, I love you. On, on you know, social media. And, oh, I love you. You, know. you don't even know me. You don't even know the type of burden I'll be to you. And yet people go after this fancy stuff. Just because they speak those words, they fall trapped to it without testing if this person has integrity, honesty, or sincerity. I challenge you tonight. As your pastor, you've heard me in many sermons, I vow to always preach the truth to you and nothing but the truth. As your pastor, I will say what is necessary to you because I want to be a good pastor. I don't want to furnish you with lies and give you stories to make you feel good, but I want to give you the honest truth. But it's surprising that people who want to be good are always the ones that the enemy tries to attack. Poison other people's minds. Torment other people's minds. And I'm challenging you tonight. Let that not stop you from being a good person. What is goodness? The principles of God. Honesty, sincerity, and transparency and integrity. This is who you must be. Don't say something. Can I, can I make it clear to you tonight? Don't say something you don't mean. Don't. Being good demands 
that my action must synchronize with my heart. That means when I tell you something, I'm honest, I'm genuine, and I'm truthful. And when I speak it, I speak it from my heart. That is what it means to be good. Because God gave us so many promises, and in the same manner, every one of His promises, He's kept it. Because He is a good God. He's a good God. And that's who we must strive to be. A good Christian. The tallest building in the world, at least at that point of time, was the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Rises to more than 2,700 feet, over half a mile tall. It has 160 floors and is twice as tall as the Empire State Building in New York City. It is home to the top, world's fastest elevator that travels 40 miles an hour. The Burj Khalifa also hosts the world's highest outdoor observation deck and the world's highest swimming pool. But the secret to the stability of this massive building is found underground. Before construction began to rise up, Workers spent a year digging and pouring the massive foundation that supports the building. The foundations contain some 58,900 cubic yards of concrete weighing more than 110,000 tons. The building is safe because the foundation is solid. And that's true you will become a very stable person when you can place the foundations of your character and be Christ-like. So I'm challenging you tonight. Be careful, number one, who you follow. There are a lot of people who pretend, put on fronts, who show us on the outward that they are good, but they are lying, deceiving, cheating, and they are not honest. But you and I must learn as Christians to discern someone who truly loves, cares, and is good. And then secondly, you and I must strive when we speak to be sincere. Don't say things you don't mean. If you don't want to do something, don't, don't, don't say, oh, I want it, and don't do it. Be sincere. Can, is that practical advice tonight? Be sincere. Because that's what goodness really is. We need to be good Christians who mean what we say tonight. I want you to bow your heads with me.